You're listening to Sunny Side Up, a bite-sized podcast that brings you real-world insights that help go-to-market professionals evolve and stay up-to-date on the latest trends. Join us as we share best practices and proven techniques from industry experts and practitioners. Today's episode is made possible by Demand Matrix. Demand Matrix helps you complete your data stack with technographic, intent, and revenue potential data to help you accelerate revenue. Thanks for listening. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to Sunny Side Up. I'm your host, Meetul Cha. Today, I'm super excited to talk to Eric Metlick about demystifying intent. Eric is founder and CEO of Bavora. I've known, I've got a pleasure of knowing him uh, in last you know few weeks or so. Eric guides vision and corporate strategy at Bambora, bringing over 15 years in founding companies, board and executive management experience. Prior to Bambora, Eric was founder and CEO of several advertising technology companies, including Madison Logic, Industry Brain. He began his career in ad sales at Ziff's Davis and divided his time between Miami and New York at that time. Eric, Really excited to talk to you. Welcome to the show. Thank you. Great to be here. So, Eric, let's, you know, in pre-interviews as we were having this conversation, like every go-to-market leader or sales or marketing leader that at least I have spoken with, and I'm sure, you know, you have spoken with, struggles with this definition of ideal customer profile or what we call as ICP. Maybe we can start there. So according to you, What's the ICP definition and why does it remain such a big challenge? Yeah, it's a great question. I mean, we, as you know, being in the industry, but also running a company, we also are challenged with figuring out our own ICP. So we have experience on both sides of the fence there. Um, You know, for for us, it's really defining not just what the customer is that that you'd like to sell to or who are identifying the right customer, but also the, the committee buying the buying committee and the, the different decision makers in the company right and i kind of look at it as there's there's who you want to sell to but then then there's who can buy from you you know which companies can uh, purchase your product and then on top of that um, which ones have the best chance of success right so you kind of look at it through those two different lenses and you know before we get to the challenges you know i think there's been you know over the last you know, three to five years has been a bit of an evolution. There's been many uh, data companies that have approached this this challenge, and by layering on more sort of attributes or data types, the industry's gotten a little bit a little bit better at it, right? So, you know, the, for example, you know, most companies like us, um, you know, start with layering on technographic data, which is you know install based data, what kind of tools or products the companies um, that you'd like to sell to should have in place before you sell to them. That might be one one area to focus on. Another is, you know, firmographic data. You might identify that your product is really right now suited for large enterprises. So they're going to forego the, the SMB market as an example, or it could be the inverse of that as well. Um, you might find that your, your product is really suited for a self-serve, you know, small SMB audience, but not so great for enterprise. So, so, you know, using firmographic data, company size, employee size, and even geography are obvious, you know, ways to 
try to sculpt the ideal customer profile, right? And then, and then taking a, another through the other lens of which ones have the best chance of success, looking at historical data and trying to identify, you know, where are your retention rates for these different segments and different uh, potentially, you know, looking at install bases of other other technologies and maybe have more success with customers that, that have certain things already in place, right? And those are that's the way we we look at it. I think the uh, the second part of your question was was around data was around sort of the challenges. Is that right? Yes, that's correct. Yeah. Um, so there's a, there's a few really. The, number one is alignment. You know, I still think in this day and age, we've talked about the alignment of not just sales and marketing, by the way, but the alignment of the company around around this. Right. So you still have some rogue units. It's not uh, that that easy getting everyone aligned around all of the the different um, what, what, around your ICP once once you have it. The um, the other big challenge I, I think is really is accuracy, quality, quality of data. Like you know, I just I still find that you might be able to find a quality data provider to help you with your ICP for for one segment or one part of your audience. But finding a company that has accurate, robust, scalable data across all segments is, is still extremely challenging. And there are so many different attributes that I, that I mentioned you know, earlier that all contribute to and help you figure out your ICP. So um, finding a vendor or multiple vendors um, that can help you do that in an accurate and scalable way is, 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 is tough. And then lastly, you know, it just it still takes a lot of work. Um, implementing all of this, it's just not that easy. And that's something, <laughs> right? You're, you're laughing because it's true. I mean, I, I, even us as a customer, um, implementing our own ABM strategy internally, and, and we are, you know, we're, you know, ostensibly experts in, in ABM and we have our own data source. Um, but when our marketing team and sales and marketing teams put together our own internal ABM strategy. We have to the same challenges that other companies have, which is stitching together these various data providers, getting it into the tools and into workflow, getting the alignment in the company and everybody in the company using it, um, the, the process and the data. So, yeah, there are some there are some challenges still. Isn't that fascinating? I mean, I still remember when we when we started, you know, Demand Matrix, and you know, we started with technographics, and we were doing, I don't know, at that time we were tracking like maybe thousand, two thousand, you know, technologies. This probably is around three years ago or so, and from there till now, you know, we're tracking, I think, more than fifteen thousand companies, forty-one million companies worldwide. And the fascinating aspect for me is that in data world, you know, as as that's that's your yours in, in our business, is that that people ask for quality, but they also want quantity with it. And in data, when you try to combine quality, you you got to choose one or the other, right? And and it's it's fascinating that that we talk about you know quality, but you know people still want quantity with that. And when you give them quantity, they want quality with it. So it's a it's a very delicate balance, you know, when it comes to uh, you know data business and data world. Um, and that still fascinates me that you know how the explosion has happened and how many you know new data set that has come into the market, which is fabulous, right? I mean, there's more data coming to the to the to the customers 
and they have different ways of looking at uh, the business and target and ICP and the different definitions around it. Uh, and you, you guys, you know, uh, being the leader in the intent category, you know, as part of it. Uh, so maybe if you can pivot, you know, to that area as to why intent, you know, as a data set amongst other data set is important for ICP and how intent signal can help in strategic scenarios. Or if I'm trying to execute ABM strategies we're talking about, how can I, you know, make the best use of it? Yeah, so... You know, I, I think about ICP more as the universe, right? It's the universe of who you, you can sell to or want to sell to. Um, whereas intent is the layer that, that sales and marketing should be using to identify, you know, when to sell and try to sell and market to those, those particular companies, right? And so, you know, most companies can't and shouldn't uh, try to market to everybody all of the time, right? There's a lot of reasons. It's not, it's not great for you financially to, to market to everybody all the time because it's not efficient. There's a lot of waste. And if you think about the, the customer base, a prospect base, not everybody's in market for your product all the time, of course, right? Only maybe, maybe 10% of the prospects are in market for what you sell at any given point in time, if you're lucky, right? Which means that you're, you're much better off really focusing on that small percentage uh, through multi-channel marketing, et cetera, right? So that's that's sort of the why it's important. Prioritize your resources so that you can be more efficient. You're not being wasteful. Um, the other part is that it works, right? <laughs> you get results if you if you focus on the company as they're entering a research phase or as they're they're um, most likely to want to engage with you. That's actually when you want to be engaging with them, and and you know it's also about being relevant. You know, I, I talk about sustainability and our industry is certainly an industry, and I'm talking about the sales and marketing industry, is an industry that, um, quite frankly, I have concerns about uh, as far as sustainability because we can't just keep um, sending untargeted messages, untargeted phone calls, untargeted emails. Eventually, we're going to turn off, you know, our audience that they're, they're um, they're deaf to our messages, right? And we don't want that to happen. And on a on an individual basis, if you're a company and you have a database of of prospects, it's really in your best interest too to not abuse that database and to focus on the ones that are interested in what you have to offer, but also in with context, right? To be sending the messages that they care about. You may have multiple products to be able to send the messages on the right product at the right time. Um, there might be features of the products that you sell that they're most interested in at this particular point in time. For example, they might be really concerned about privacy and your product has great you know, privacy um, solutions. So there are, there are a lot of re- ways you can use intent data and that's you know, why it's important. And again, lastly, is come back to the point of internal alignment. Yeah, no, makes, uh, makes, makes total sense, right? I mean, with this COVID and I'm sure you probably, you know, see this, that there's a huge explosion in the number of emails that I'm getting. And every time I get one of those canned emails and I go and scratch my head and it's like, you know, sometime, you know, I think when, when nothing works, people just resort to what they know the best is like, let's go and sell mass emails. 
even though it does not work and we all know that so <laughs> it's it's amazing that that how we humans sometimes you know that the behavior that has been ingrained in you or what you know is the easiest that we just resort to just because that's right that's right um, so coming back to intent, you know, I mean, like you, you guys pioneered the category. You guys started what seven, eight years ago. That's uh, six. Let's <laughs> not let's not add more years to it. Yeah, that's six years now. Uh, six years, okay. So six years ago, you know, you you guys pioneered this category. You, you guys came about, you know, with with uh, you know in, intent and intent definition and how people can best potentially use it. But since then, you know, there has been different flavors of intent, right, that has come into market. And sometimes it's it's confusing, right, for people as to when to use what and which one does what. Is there one stronger, more powerful than others? Maybe if you can double click on that a little bit, I think it might be helpful. Yeah, I mean, we're, 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 there, there are multiple types, you know, of intent data. And I, I could talk, you know, to, to a few of them and, and some of the other, you know, issues around them, you know, what we focus on is what we call content consumption, right? It's the, it's users and users that work at companies and what they're consuming B2B internet. So they're consuming content. And to us, that indicates that they have intent because they're consuming content on very specific or granular topics on the B2B web, right? And there's really two ways to, to procure that type of a data. You either, you either own and operate sites or have partnerships with publishers that own and operate sites. That's, that's one way. Uh, or there's this other sort of gray area called the bid stream um, where you could be bidding on an, on an ad essentially and what's called the, the exhaust of the internet. You can see content and users that are navigating to that content and you can repurpose that what's called bid stream data for the, for the uh, intention of creating a uh, derivative work called intent data. So those are really the two, two ways to get at. Of course, Bumbora operates in the, the co-op world. We have, uh, we have relationships directly with all of these publishers uh, who give us permission and we get consent and we have the right to have this data. Um, and then there are also some small, you know, publishers that, that have intent data of their own who, who, productize and sell intent data. So that's that's a different way that they get at it, but from sort of the same data source that Bombora gets their data gets our data from. You know, I think there are other flavors out there now that we're starting to see. There are companies that look at the public web and they'll look at you know blogs and job postings to try to infer certain companies may have intent because of the kinds of jobs that they're posting and things like that. Um, and that I'm sure works. But to your earlier point, it's you know it's about quality versus scale or you know, how much scale do you want? And I think, um, you know, the B2B web does provide quite a bit of bit of scale. The, um, you know, I do have to know, you know, in the, in the intent data world, as it, as it begins to grow and, and um, proliferate, you know, one of the things to look out for from a buyer uh, perspective is really compliance and ethics. You know, how, how does this data get sourced? Do, does the seller have permission to this data? And that's becoming increasingly important as CCPA goes into effect. And we have similar regulation, obviously, in, in, uh, in Europe with, with GDPR. And I think we'll see more of that type of regulation uh, next year and beyond. So I think that's an important 
thing to uh, to look at if you're a buyer of intent data right now. No, I think I think it makes sense. Um, so, any any good examples of activation that you have seen uh, where you, where your customers or your prospects, you know, have used this data and they've got a very compelling you know, results out of it? Yeah. Well, first of all, you know, just there's a, there's a bit of there is one misconception that you know there there are a lot of companies out there that have let's say platforms, right? And one of the checkboxes they have is intent data and Sometimes early in a sales cycle, we'll, we'll have companies that are a little confused and they think that, you know, it's competitive or that, you know, using intent data from, from Bambora is competitive with the platform. And so it's not, it's not, we're, we're all about activation and activating uh, in the workflow that you currently use. So to your question, you know, what works or, you know, have you seen activations that work? What really works is whatever's working for the customer, right? We're, we're, we're a bit ag- agnostic. Uh, it's about finding an activation that's working for your sales and marketing team or sales or marketing team and putting it into workflow. And that could be a sales use case. It could be a marketing use case. It even could be an advertising use use case. Got it. And, and are there specific, you know, uh, compelling use cases that, that you have seen which you thought like was either very creative or was a was a very good use of the data. Yeah, uh, this well, let's just start with the the different use cases, and we'll we'll talk about a couple of new newer ones or some some that are working well. Yeah. You know, one of the the tried and true or or areas that that we tend to focus on more recently is sales. You know, sales especially like sales enablement or outbound because it's easier to measure results, right? That's a you know front seat to uh, the data you're, you're calling on companies and it's much easier to measure right so measurement is a, is a big piece of this um, aside from that we see a lot of success with marketing for example you know marketing automation email um, and the third third way we see a lot of success is ABM advertising you know digital advertising um, top of funnel usually to deliver messages reinforce the sales motion. So those are sort of the three different different areas. The inside of that, one of the emerging use cases that we see quite often right now is, is customer success. Uh, you have a customer, you're trying to identify if that customer is going to churn or not. That's a pretty big use case right now. Events used to be. <laughs> now it's online events, um, right? And programming and, and things like that. Really trying to understand who you're, what your audience is interested in to, to do some programming for your event uh, around different groups and what they, what content they might might be most interested in. And then, and then conquesting is another area. And that's part of a lot of campaigns right now, by the way, is putting in competitors' names and um, being able to go after um, companies that are likely researching the product genre that you sell, but maybe they're researching a couple of your competitors and not you. And you want to be part of that process, right? You want to insert yourself in there as, as a viable alternative. It's also used in the, in the customer success side of things, right? If you're, if you're a customer and all of a sudden we see that you're showing company surge against a couple of the competitors and their contracts up for renewal soon, that might be pretty important for you to know about, right? Your CS team should probably be aware of that, that you're, you're potentially going to flip, you're potentially going to churn because you're, you're researching some of the competitors right now. 
So those are some of the some of the areas and, and use cases. And then I'll leave you with the, one of the last ones that we we're starting to see now with some pretty good success is brand awareness. So all of the others are really what I would call harnessing demands. Like we're identifying through intent data which of your prospects or customers are showing intent on a particular topic or, or product. This last one is is not harnessing demand. It's kind of the opposite. It's, it's creating demand. It's brand awareness. And so doing brand awareness campaigns, uh, top of funnel campaigns, it could be digital advertising, it could be outdoor advertising, but running campaigns with the baseline and then trying to identify if you're able to convince more people at the companies you care about uh, to have companies surge against your product. So think about if you're a company that sells a product and you start running campaigns to your ABM list, top of funnel campaigns, brand awareness campaigns, and you're able to move the, the needle on how many of those companies are now showing company surge against your company name or your product name. That's, that's that. interesting. That's very interesting. Have, have you have you seen a compelling scenario in the sense that they started running ads, say for example, based on the the surge, and then they, they saw you know a deeper surge or more you know uplift in the surge scoring because of the branding what they were they were starting Absolutely. to show. That's exactly right. We pair it with measure our measurement suite, so that's what exactly they do. Or they'll even do, and agencies love this too, right? Because you know one of the one of the challenges from a brand perspective has always been, you know, which, which, which of my brand dollars are working and how do I show lift and how do I measure it? Right. And where's the attribution. And yeah. with this, you're able to just start with a, a list of companies that you care about. They might not, might not be showing any interest in your company at all. And you can start running campaigns and then over a period of time, 30, 60, 90 days, you can see how many of those companies that actually didn't care about you at all are now showing increased interest. That's very interesting. Very interesting. I mean, this is such a deep topic, Eric. I think you can probably probably spend a couple hours on this, but just with the respect of time. If people have more questions, you know, about this or if they want to contact you about, you know, to learn more about intent and some of the topics that we talked about, what's a what's the best way to do to contact you? Uh, probably our website. <laughs> our website, our chatbot. It's up all the time. Um, yeah, in this day and age, I think that's that's the way to go. Until we're until we have an office, I think that's probably the best bet. Ambora.com. <laughs> Okay. All right. Awesome. Well, Eric, thank you so much for being you know for for being on the show. We really enjoyed having this conversation with you. Um, yeah, thanks. I'm sure I'm, I'm sure our listeners yeah. will learn. Yeah, would would really enjoy you know picking up this topic. There's such a such a, a, a interesting and exciting topic. There's so much going on in this. So yeah, I think I'm sure it'll be it'll be very interesting for them. Sounds great. Hope it was helpful. Awesome. Thank you. Thank you. Thanks, Eric. Thanks for joining us on this episode of Sunny Side Up. If you like what you heard, please subscribe, rate, and review us and share these insights with your peers.